40 years of darkness, earthquakes, volcanoes, the dead rising from the grave, human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. We must all stand up at once and say together that we will not, must not, shall not, and haven't listened to I Doubt It with Dalmore. Seriously, have some self-respect. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Episode 385. Can you believe it? Of I Doubt It with Dalamore. I'm your host, as always, Jesse Dalamore. And seated across from me, the lovely, the talented, the always ready at the drop of a hat, Co-host of the show, Brittany Page. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. Mm. Wow. <laughs> quite the week. It has been quite the week. A full week. Mm-hmm. Not just of activities surrounding the show and the work at Statesmith, but also uh, in the news. Yes. We got some feedback mm-hmm. after last episode's banter about... Awkward man hugs, and then that kind of led into dudes in general being awkward, mm-hmm. and uh, movie movie see- theater seating arrangements mm-hmm. that are oftentimes awkward. And we got some voicemails about it. So before <laughs> we do anything else, let's let's address these because we have a lot to get to related to everything else that's happened in the last two days mm-hmm. since we did the show, or yeah. however long it's been. So, without further ado, here is our first voicemail uh, about hugging. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. This is Marcus calling in with an awkward hug story. After I'd been at my current job for about two months, I went to thank one of my colleagues who had been extremely helpful in getting me started in the company. As I told her how much I appreciated her help, I finished my sentence and, without thinking, gesticulated wildly outward with my hands. She interpreted this as a signal that I wanted to give her a hug. I could tell from her reaction that she didn't actually want to hug me, but she felt social pressure to do so anyway. I also didn't actually want to hug her, but (laughs) felt like I was in too deep to stop it now. So the two of us had a polite hug that neither of us wanted to participate in. Fucking awkward. (laughs) Anyway. You should know that if I'm ever given the opportunity, be damn sure I'll hug that cuddly bear of a man, Jesse D. Well, that's nice. That is very nice. The hug sounds like a horrible situation. I I, I almost want a uh, a reenactment of mm. the gesticulating wildly so much so. That she got the impression, yeah, that Marcus was really in need of a hug. Uh, you know, as 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 Marcus would say, "Fucking awkward." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, sounds like it. That listen, an unwanted hug is bad enough, but when two people hug one another <laughs> and neither one of them wants to hug, yeah, that's sad. That, hugging, I don't necessarily think it has to be. 
both keys turn at once like you're launching a missile. But certainly, if both keys turn to the don't want to hug side, no hug should happen. Well, I think that um, he should just walk up to her um, when he sees her again and just kind of comment on it. Be like, hey, remember that time that we hugged and neither one of us wanted to hug? That was really weird. No, better would be walk up and say, hey, listen, you remember that one time we hugged and I didn't want to hug? I just want to say you made me feel very uncomfortable. <laughs> and uh, look, I know I, I'm a I'm a sexy beast, and it's really hard mm-hmm. to to withstand the urge, yeah, to wrap your lady arms around me. But yeah, nah. Tell her that you were inspired by the Me Too movement, and you just felt this was important to address. All right. Well, thank you, Marcus, for the call, and of course, fucking awkward for the new drop that is going to come in handy. Uh, the other topic that we kind of let into again was movie theater seating arrangement with when there's two dudes, because it's always baffled me. And we had some feedback, as I kind of expected. Hello, guys. This is Tony from Texas, truck driver. Not really calling to get this aired or make any great points. Just want to let y'all know that's some douchebag stuff y'all are talking about on episode 384. <laughs> When two guys, three guys, four guys, four girls, two girls, whatever, goes to the movies together and they might sit apart, it may be because they just want more room and there's, like, room in the fucking uh, movie theater. Uh, when I go to the movie theater with my wife, obviously I'm going to sit right next to her. I can lay my arm on her or, you know, we can move the thing and, and it's fine. But uh, I really don't want to lay my arm on my brother or on my friend uh, when I'm trying to get some room. And I'm 300 pounds, so, uh, yeah, I need a little bit of room. Uh, I could suffer through a movie if, you know, it permitted that I, I had to. But uh, if I don't have to in this room, um, I'm going to go ahead and skip a seat. It has nothing to do with being gay. That's just this, I thought gay guys went to the movies together uh, originally to be together because then a lot of people wouldn't see them. So y'all's point just didn't make sense. And once again, don't need to play this on here. On your deal. I mean, if you do, that's fine. But just want to let you know, I think that's not a good reason. I'm pretty sure that they do it for the room because guys want room. And so do some girls. So I really can't even put this to just a girl or a guy thing. I think this would be, I've seen women do it as well. But anyhow, uh, episode three, four, nobody's the best part. You guys have a great day. Fans are the best. <laughs> So what the hell? Because you're the one who said the gay thing. Yeah, well, I said it's not that. But I'm getting taken out with you is well, what's no, no, happening. No. I, it's not that. Of course, the the, pro, the reason I brought up the gay thing is because a lot of dudes are afraid to be labeled as gay. And so if they don't want to sit together because the other people in the dark theater might think they're gay. Mm-hmm. I wasn't saying it was a justifiable or normal excuse. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, well, there's two things. One, Tony is look man you're an outlier you're 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 not a normal size guy 300 pounds that's that's a that's a that's a bigger than average dude you have reason to need some seating arrangement that's a little different mm-hmm. so uh, uh, and the other thing is the reason i pointed it out because it's weird to me is because I don't see this behavior. You, again, maybe an outlier because you notice it in women. I don't notice this behavior. I've never seen it with women. If there's two lades, 
enjoying a movie. Yeah. They're sitting together. Yeah. I've never seen two women sit apart. Yeah. Unless they were strangers. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's what's unusual about when you see this happen. You see people friendly walking into the theater together and then you see them sit down and put a space between them. And then the talking kind of stops. Like, <laughs> we're in here now and don't look at me. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, Tony, I, I get it. I get being a big, trust me, I, I get being a big guy. There are times when I lack a little room on an airplane. I would love to have a seat in between. <laughs> a movie theater, yeah, it, it's not as big a deal for me. But then, you know, my... Just not that's me. Yeah, but it, your points don't dis discount everything we said. Yeah. Also, Tony. um, also, <laughs> Tony, relax, relax because we we did play it on our deal, which is the show, and um, we don't feel offended or victimized or attacked by you, so it's okay. We like it when people give us some disagreement. Okay, and they shovel it in our face. We like that. Fucking awkward. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were planning something. Thank you, Tony, for the call. We, we do appreciate it very much, brother. Uh, moving on, same topic, Garrett. Hey, guys, this is uh, Garrett from Texas. Uh, in an episode I heard earlier a while, you guys talked about uh, people, leave, guys leaving a seat between them in the movie theater because uh, they didn't want people to think that they were gay or something like that. Well, I actually, when I was younger, that was something that some of my friends did. I just wanted to add a little clarification to that, uh, a little terminology. We used to call it a dude buffer. So if two guys would go in to a movie theater, you'd put a dude buffer between the two of you so that people wouldn't think you were gay, stupid stuff like that. There's actually rules to it where if it was three or more, you know, then it was okay to sit by each other, uh, but... If there are two guys, one put a dude buffer and stuff. So dumb stuff that kids did and things of that sort. Though it's a bigger guy myself, I just like it because I got to spread out a little bit. But just to kind of speak up to that for you guys, uh, love the show. You guys are a great job. Ah, well, see, Garrett cleared it up. It is a thing, mm -hmm. but some men who are confident and and uh, aware of themselves, they uh, they grow out of it, and they develop new reasons. To have a dude buffer. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did we clear it up? Is it definitively figured out? I mean, yeah, if you want to give him that much credit. <laughs> 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 or if you just really want to be right. I, I No, I don't want to be right. It just happens that I am. <laughs> you don't want to be right? No, I love being wrong. Yeah. It's actually a professional... You prefer to be wrong. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's my preference. That's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't right. we wouldn't be able to tell that that was your preference but i'm also i want to warn the audience on the verge of getting sick mm. something's going on with the throat ski yeah got a little uh little scratchiness going on mm -hmm. not a good time yeah but we're gonna press through mm -hmm. mainly because we got a shit ton to, to go over there's a ton of stuff that has gone on uh, relative to the Parkland, Florida shooting. There's been some updates. We got a bunch of voicemails, a ton of emails. Um, not all that we're going to get to because it's just been too much feedback. Uh, I did pull um, some stuff that addressed some of the clips that we want to talk about or some of the instances that we want to talk about. If you emailed, again, we say this all the time, but if you emailed, 
if you sent a voicemail in, uh, we appreciate it very much, especially those that you call and then you get cut off and then you call back. Oh, those are my favorite. Uh-oh. <laughs> I heard a tone change. That happened multiple <laughs> times this week is why I'm saying. Mm. Multiple times. Okay. Try to fit it into the three minutes, folks. Mm. Just try. Yes. Let's start with an email. Hi, guys. I absolutely love your podcast. I really look forward to each episode. I have a greater respect for people like you who are passionate, seek out information, and have the ability to change your personal opinions. Kind of sad that things so simple stand out so strong these days. Listening to your podcast puts a smile on my face more times than not, especially hearing Brittany's mmm when she doesn't agree or Jesse is about to go overboard. Mm. I could be spelling that wrong. Whatever. I love the banter. On to the reason I'm emailing. Can you explain the mental illness aspect in relation to gun restrictions? What realistic restrictions could be put in place? I just listened to episode 383. Every conversation about the Florida shooting seems to go in this direction. Mass shooters and how many were on depression medications that this can and should be prevented. A friend used borderline personality disorder as an example and how people like that or people on specific medications shouldn't be able to buy guns. It makes me uneasy. Adding restrictions due to mental illness sounds great on the surface, but getting any diagnosis requires treatment. Leading me to think more people with non-homicidal thoughts might not seek treatment out of fear of being put into some database, not trusting it would stay confidential or how it could be used in the future. I don't see a good way into this. Are there any realistic ways to keep guns out of the hands of the mentally ill? At the end of the day, this is just talk because who are we kidding? Only the bare minimum, if that will change in this administration. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. And just a side note, in reference to the caller talking about concealed carry permits not helping, I agree. Fun fact, many states, like Indiana, require zero courses or knowledge to get a concealed carry. You can get a concealed carry permit without proving you know how to use it or even know where the safety is. This shocked me to learn. Love the show. Brittany's the best part, but I love you both equally. You guys are my lobsters who weren't sent to me by God. Rather, my lobsters sent to me from my dislike of Tommy Laren. Keep up the fucking awesome job you guys are doing. Holly. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. Little, uh, little reference to a Facebook post you made about someone thanking God for the lobster that they didn't expect the restaurant to have on the menu. Yeah, well, I love lobster rolls too, so I get it. Um, can I can I say something? Because I, I know this is going to be your topic. Um, a lot of times, what I see with with this the the, the like the antidepressant thing that oh most the shooters are on antidepressants. It, it's that's they're correlating something that might not be causational. I bet you ninety nine percent of shooters drank milk as children. That doesn't mean milk leads to shooting it they those ne- things aren't necessarily and maybe likely are not connected anyway i just wanted to make that point mm-hmm. so this is uh difficult like holly said um if we use nicholas cruz as an example he is someone that clearly had a problem for which he needed to be treated um but as i understand it 
it's not just being diagnosed with any mental illness. I, I don't know if anyone is advocating that like someone who's been diagnosed with depression or someone who's been diagnosed with a personality disorder, that just the diagnosis should get you on a band list. Right, yeah. I think it is the involuntary um, admission into a mental hospital where you are a danger to yourself or to others. I think that that is what people say when they say we need to have, we need to prevent the mentally ill from getting weapons. And if you have been, um, am I am I wrong about this? No, no, you're no, you're good. A- am I right about it? Y- yes, you are. Okay, yeah. and I made a face because I'm not. Well, because I don't know what the restrictions are for guns, so I'm assuming that that's what it is, or that's what people want it to be. I haven't heard people saying. I want someone that has been diagnosed with major depressive disorder to not be able to get a gun. No, that's the problem is they're so the language is so nebulous and they vacillate between point to point. Even Donald Trump right now talking about and I don't have a clip of it, but Donald Trump talking about back in the old days when they used to just take these people and put them in an institution. Isn't that wasn't he leading down that road? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's the problem is we live in a fast food culture. And we want fast food answers. There are no easy answers. There's no value meal here to pick from. There's no easy ordering. This is going to be a, 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 a protracted debate. Neither side is going to be completely satisfied or even slightly satisfied. We're going to have to have incremental change over time, and they're going to have to take in experts, especially in the mental health field, to talk about this issue. Because what are the precursors? Look, we don't, we, we can't afford any more dead kids. I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. So going back to what Holly was saying, I think, okay, if that's the law that an involuntary commitment is what prevents you from getting a firearm, then I'm not sure what what other people are wanting to add to that. Now, here's where it gets um, foggy, is that Nicholas Cruz was someone who was showing a pattern of behavior... Um, that tended toward violence. That tended toward being a danger to others. So yeah. he would have fallen into that category. But he was failed at multiple checkpoints where something could have been done about that. By multiple at multiple checkpoints, by multiple, by separate, by a myriad of organizations, from the FBI to the local police, the teachers, his friends, everyone failed this kid. Right. So you're, he's not a victim. Let's not talk about him as a victim. But th- those seventeen people who died, they were failed by every one of those organizations and groups. Right. So you're you're kind of leaving it, it up to all these different institutions to act when they need to, when there is someone who who is a problem and someone who needs to be involuntarily committed because of their behavior. Yeah. So I, I think that's where it gets difficult. And then you start hearing these arguments where people... Um, start moving on the edge of like violating people's rights um, in order to to do this. And I'm not talking about their right to own a firearm because that's a separate issue. Um, but well, you have due process rights. You, someone can't just come along and say, hey, your neighbor said you might be a little nutty. Yoink. 
we're, we're going to put you in the back of the car and take you to a doctor right. against your will to be evaluated right. based on the word or the word of two or three people. Right. That's not the world we live in. Right. That's the wor- not the world we'll ever live in. We need to, as Brittany says, deal with the world on, re- on the world's terms. So we need to deal find, with reality on reality's terms. Deal with reality on reality's terms and find some mechanism by which we can um, do a better do- job of, and again, this is dangerous language, but tracking, marking, identifying people who might be um, prone to violent behavior. I, and fuck, I don't know. Yeah, and so when they say that that we need better mental health system, you know, what a what a vague phrase. Yeah. Uh, what are you saying? We need mental health reform. What does that mean? Every time I hear Donald Trump say it, I want to know what that means. Well, I, I want I want to know what that <laughs> entails because good what are luck. you what are you saying? And in the case of this shooter, Nicholas Cruz, it wasn't just mental health professionals that failed him. Yeah. There were the local police. There was the FBI. Um, he actually was being seen by a caseworker from the state after a report. Um, he was over 18 and he in, in the report, it said that he had started receiving counseling services and that through the, the time that they were dealing with his case, handling his case, he had terminated the services because he's 18 and he could do that. It wasn't mandated. It wasn't something that he had to attend. It wasn't something that he was involuntarily committed to do. Right. Um, but I do want to touch on something else that Holly said, which is um, people may become afraid to reach out for help if there is this increased stigma right. on people who are mentally ill, especially afraid to go in and say to their counselor, maybe that they're having thoughts that they don't want, unwanted thoughts that are disturbing them. And there needs to be a place where people can go to say that and not feel like their life is going to be ruined because they decided to right. reach out and get help. Well, what, it's not even just stigma what you're talking about. Stigma's like, oh, I don't want somebody to know that I have a mental illness because they'll look at me cross-eyed. They'll think differently of me. Right. We're talking about actually having your liberty taken away. Right. That's a whole different ballgame. And you're right. It is a fine line. And we need to be very fucking careful Yes. To not end the lives as they know it of people who aren't and will never be a threat because they're just, they have a mental illness. Not like Dr. Alan Francis says, Mm -hmm. the mentally ill are far, far more likely to have violence perpetrated against them than they are to commit violent crime. Mm -hmm. That's fact. That is inarguable. That is the way it is. And we need to be careful to protect innocent people. That is, I mean, that's the spirit of who we are as a people, as mm-hmm. Americans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and well, you see where this rhetoric starts going. Uh, you saw it today when Donald Trump was giving his statement, talking about how unfortunate it was when we closed all of the mental um, yeah. as- insane asylums. And <laughs> I was so shocked to hear the president of the United States talking like this in 2018. Um, was it done the best possible way when all of them were closed? No, that wasn't done in the best possible way. They were closed for the right reason. It wasn't done in the right way. But the many of these institutions were treating people very inhumanely. Um, the conditions were not good. Um, I, I don't know what the answers are here. It's a very complicated issue, but 
people like Donald Trump going on TV and maligning the homeless population and talking about how they should be put in institutions and it's dangerous to have them walking the streets and yeah. like talking about homeless people. Right. Well, he's giving everyone cover to stigmatize the mentally ill. It, it was just, I don't know. So yeah, Holly, it's very complicated. I don't have answers. Jesse doesn't have answers. I do not have answers. But at least we're talking about it. And yeah. um, at least... So give us credit for talking, everybody. Well, no, but <laughs> but also at least we're talking about it and we're doing it in a way that is compassionate for people that are suffering from mental illness. Yeah. Because they don't need any more people like Donald Trump speaking about them in that way. And cool. when, I, when I say this, um, I hope people understand that I'm not like... Um, upset that he was speaking negatively about Nicholas Cruz. That's not what I'm saying here. I'm talking about the the community of people who suffer from mental illness being wrapped in uh, innocent with, harmless people. Being wrapped up in Nicholas Cruz's identity on TV from the president's mouth. Yeah. Um that is not appropriate. Thank you for the email Holly very much. We appreciate it. Let's move on to a voicemail. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Brittany. This is Andrew from New Orleans. I'm hitting you up because I was listening to episode 383 and I had to stop it to uh, do this voice memo because I want people to be armed, pun intended, (laughs) about this debate about gun control. I have a friend, colleague, who I uh, often engage in debate with all the time over this And I asked him two very distinctive questions uh, that kind of made him think. The first question that I asked was, is it your stance that if there are more people with guns in the United States, that would mean that there will be less violent crime, there will be less school shootings, there will be less mass shootings of any kind? He said yes. I then asked him, The second question is, with that logic, wouldn't it be true that the United States of America is the safest nation on the planet? Because during the Obama administration, there have been more guns sold than almost any other presidential administration in the history of the U.S. Just a little bit of information that I wanted to kind of throw out to people uh, who who are getting very high heated about this debate about gun control. Um, Hope this helps. Love the show. Brittany, you are the best part, but Jesse, you're not that bad. Holla. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. It's always nice that I'm not, not terrible. You're not a total piece of shit. It's good. Um, Listen, uh, thank you, Andrew, for the call. We appreciate it. Um, That is a good point. Pointing out those kind of juxtapositions that are just fallacious, like, for instance, uh, if if more guns means less crime, if it means more safety, well, then why aren't we already the safest nation? Because we have a massive percentage of the guns in America. Mm-hmm. They say 101 guns for every 100 people when there's less than four, there's fewer than four guns per every 100 people in Britain. And we're a far more violent, far more crime-ridden country. 
Yeah, people have been making a similar argument with the uh, Donald Trump's solution to the problem being to arm the teachers. And people have been talking about the 2009 Fort Fort Hood shooting where 13 people were killed. Um, And you could probably speak more to that. Are people armed in that situation? No, they're not not armed, but they're certainly well trained. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, that's did they a, have access to weapons? Um, no. Okay. No. So, so that's see, that's what the people don't understand. That's so a bad argument. Well, when you go when you go on base, you they you don't just have your weapon in your. Let's say you live in the barracks, you just don't have your M sixteen, your M sixteen A two service rifle. You don't have your re- weapon with you in your room. You have to bring it to the armory, where the ammunition is kept separate. It's a, it's a thing. They don't. Not everybody just has a weapon walking around on base. Only when you're in combat or on the rifle range or like in training. And then if it's not live fire, you have a, what's called a BFA and you're shooting blanks. It's this colored thing that goes on the end of your rifle to cut the, to, to blunt the muzzle. Mm-hmm. Anyway, what I'm saying is you don't have live weapons on, on even on a military base. Why the fuck would you allow them... Well, I'm, I'm everywhere just, in the nation. I'm still just asking: Is that a bad, bad argument? Then that, uh, that tweet that I'm seeing. Well, it's uh, it's a bad argument if they're asserting that uh, an armed resistance couldn't even stop that guy with a handgun. That's gun. what the argument was. Yeah, then that's a bad argument. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Um, anyway, thanks, Andrew. <laughs> we appreciate the call very much. Let's let's move on. This... No, we actually have an email that is right up what we were talking about. All right, it's right up what we were talking about. I love about. it when it's right up <laughs> where we're talking about. Uh, hey, hey. I, am, I am a former Marine like you, Jesse. Actually a highly trained infantry Marine and also a police officer. There is no reason why a civilian needs these high capacity assault rifles. Personally, I don't think most people need or have the ability and the judgment to carry a gun. Hell, some police officers don't. As Jesse knows, even the Marine Corps didn't trust me or any other Marine with the weapon, with their weapon or live ammo. Other than other than training the range or in a combat zone, we would check them into the armory after we used them and didn't walk around with them. And every cheesy Western you have, you've ever seen, what does the sheriff do to clean up the town? Right. He takes away the guns. Yeah. We're not going to convince the current fuckhead politicians to change their minds. We have to legislate this from the bottom up and get people to vote. Change the gerrymandering laws and get these people out of office. It's the only way. Thanks for the show. I really look forward to listening because Brittany's the best part. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. It kind of stole his thunder. Robert the Marine. Robert the Marine. Devil dog. Mm-hmm. Arr. He... <laughs> I always get the stink eye when I do that from Brittany. I I didn't give a stink eye. I got the stink eye. What's funny is I read that email, and I still like didn't put two and two together that that tweet I saw was a bad argument. But I'm glad I ran it by you, because that's what you do, is you, you, ask, yeah. you ask experts, and you seek expertise to figure out if something is a good argument or not when you don't understand the subject matter. Is that awkward thing getting ready to be played again? No. Should it? <laughs> Fucking awkward. <laughs> so the next uh, voicemail is about something that Brittany and I, we've kind of struggled about wanting to talk about because, well, with our audience, I think it's a little different because you guys are smart and um, you're not going to fall for the bullshit. But this one deals with that goddamn conspiracy theory that's been floating around. Hey guys, it's Dario from uh, New Hampshire. Um, 
I am a little pissed right now. So uh, I was going through Facebook, and hold on, let me get the post out, actually. This is bullshit. Holy shit. So speaking of Florida, uh, which everyone agrees is terrible, um, I scroll through Facebook, and I see this shit that made me almost just scream, right? So it's this picture. It's like a series of pictures, and I don't even know if you guys addressed this yet. I didn't even have time to listen to your podcast before, before I had to, like, rage call. But it's a series of pictures. And it's the typical fucking bullshit with the conspiracy theories where they're taking the pictures of the kids and the photos and they're fucking, like, uh, comparing them to, like, other photos to prove that they're actually crisis actors and that they're not, like, the kids that are out there, um, like, act, like they're not the real fucking victims, that they're just crisis actors. And I am so upset right now. And it's literally, like, uh, the person who's like post who posted this, this is what this is a shared uh, post from somebody else. But the original poster is fucking talking about how like um, like we should be pissed because like um, like these kids are all extremely well groomed. They're all having like in- they're incredibly well trained. They're using a classic body language. They don't look like they're hurt. They're all just rehearsing these lines about like gun control. Um, and uh, it is just god damn it. Like I'm so pissed right now. Like like why the fuck won't you just like I can't. E- I don't even know what to say. Like this is just ob- obviously upsetting. Like this has been this like hasn't even been a week or two since this has happened and already people are saying like this is bullshit because these kids are like going on the news and talking about you know gun control so they have to be like crisis actors like how is that way more fucking believable than people going out and being shot at and then not wanting to be shot like somehow that's less believable than you know the FBI has this mass conspiracy so they're like hiring fake actors to like fucking go out there and like speak on TV about gun control after being fake shot like I am anyways um uh, yeah, <laughs> rough day, you guys, rough day, but I hope you guys are having a better day, uh, <laughs> anyways, love you guys, you both are great, keep doing what you're doing, um, and just have a really good day, bye, bye, <laughs> so this is something, um, I will normally debate pretty much anyone online, <laughs> I think we all know that. Except for people who uh, cannot spell, do not use grammar appropriately, and conspiracy theorists. And there's also few people that I will be mean to online. I'm generally not mean to people online. <laughs> um, but I will be mean to a conspiracy uh, theorist. Yeah. It's just, it, it's the way it is. I have a really hard time with it. Um, I have only deleted a handful of people. It's not in, a victimless crime. They're hurting other people. Yeah, I have I have only deleted a handful of people in my lifetime. and um, I, did th- I did this week over it. Yeah, most of them have been because of uh, Sandy Hook conspiracy theories. So after that happened, I it's, it's just the same story. After every single school shooting, it's the actors, it's the, it's the same lines. And... I don't have I don't have time for it anymore. So I what I did this time um, was I asked someone that was posting this stuff what evidence they would require, what evidence they would need 
in order to change their position, right? What evidence would they need in order to believe that these were real kids that went to this school that experienced this tragedy? And there's all kinds of answers that you could say, yeah. right? There's many things that you could say. And this person came back and said, none. And wow. I said, well, that says it all right there, doesn't it? And yeah. they came back and they said, you can't change the truth. So if you are someone who is you know, debating someone online about conspiracy theories, I would recommend starting there asking if there's even evidence that could change their mind if, yeah. if they were to obtain it. Outrageous. And if they openly admit no, <laughs> then there's no point in having that discussion, Idiot. which is really unfortunate. Yeah. Really unfortunate. All right. Uh, Daria, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Let's move on. Long-time listener... First time caller. I don't. He might not. He might say that in the call, so I should shut my mouth. Hey Jesse and Brittany, this is Tony from Massachusetts, longtime listener and semi-frequent Dollamore Amazon portal buyer of shit. <laughs> I just got done listening to episode three eighty three, and was inspired to call in. I have three kids of my own and live in a town as unassuming as Parkland, Florida, and it occurs to me that if our anti-gun control leaders aren't going to be held accountable anytime soon, then these accomplices to murder at least each deserve to have a shooting named after them, those taking NRA hush money or who consistently refuse to champion or vote for stricter gun regulations. So let's start with Marco Rubio, since he's on the NRA take to the tune of millions of dollars and represents Florida. I think we should designate the Parkland, Florida shooting, the Marco Rubio massacre. I'd really appreciate it if you and the Dollamore audience would help this idea catch on and make it so widespread that even those responsible in Congress will dread that their names and legacies will be forever vilified and indicted by the real-world consequences of their callous complicity. Hashtag Marco Rubio massacre. Thanks, everyone. I think that's a hell of an idea. There you go. Especially after his ridiculous performance at the at the town hall that he showed up to where he refused to commit to the audience that he was no longer going to take that fucking blood money from the NRA to the tune over his career of over 3 million dollars. It is disgusting how beholden they are. We're going to get to the clip, but I, I, I would encourage everybody, Marco Rubio massacre. I don't have a problem with that. If more politicians have their name attached to a horrific event like this, the likelihood is it's going to push them in the direction of positive movement on gun reform. So thank you, Tony. We appreciate it. Next up, let's get to one more email, and then we'll do our final voicemail. Hello, Jesse and Brittany. In response to episode 383, I wanted to give a personal anecdote on what happens when the police are called for domestic disturbance. I called the non-emergency line to the local police department one day. My ex-husband left for work after his behaviors at home had escalated to a point that I was afraid for my personal safety. I was told by dispatch that an officer would call me back as soon as possible. After I described that morning's altercation to the officer, he asked if I wanted to come 
have him come and take an official report. That would ultimately mean nothing since he hadn't technically laid his hands on me or if I would prefer him making a call directly to my husband. He said he would give my husband a verbal warning and that any future calls to the police department would be responded to immediately and with criminal charges. I was so afraid of either, but I chose to have him make the call. The officer called me back after speaking to my husband and said that he stated he had, quote, lost his temper and that it, quote, wouldn't happen again. I will never know exactly what the officer said to my husband, but I do remember how my anxiety grew as the time neared for him to come home from work. He circled the block at least four times before finally coming in and locking himself in a room. I didn't stay in that relationship long enough to find out what would have happened next. I guess what I'm saying is that as long as the incident or assault wasn't so aggressive that the police felt the need to intervene, it's possible that there's not much they can do. Thanks for a great show. Carrie from Boise. Well, it does let you know um, that oftentimes there are either limitations placed on the police from a, a procedural standpoint, or you have people who just aren't fucking doing their jobs. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably a combination of those two things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and to parlay or Carrie's experience into what we're talking about here, that is clearly what happened in the case of Nicholas Cruz, mm-hmm. where the police were called multiple times over the course of several years, and he still was able to legally purchase an AR-15 and kill 17 people. Mm-hmm. That's that is problematic. Now they have relieved, I believe, two officers who, in some way, made contact with him and didn't act appropriately. Otherwise, they would still be on the job. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so they're starting to cull the ranks now, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just too fucking late. Yeah, it's a day late and a dollar short because we have seventeen dead Americans. Who were either just going to work or going to school. Well, and I think that um, unfortunately it takes these situations sometimes. But this may be a situation where people that are working in these fields say, oh shit, I need to really get it together here. And maybe take their job a little bit more seriously. And along the lines of what Carrie was saying, my growing up, my family was well known in the community um, on a first name basis with the police because they were so often called to the house and because my family was um, ran in white supremacist circles. Yeah. And I had a friend, a childhood friend, and her dad was a cop and I would go over to their house for dinner and he would pepper in questions about... my family and I'm like what's what's your dad up to and I'm like why is he asking about my dad so much (laughs) Uh, (laughs) that's kind of weird um but they were always being called and he when my dad would be arrested he would go into like the work release center you know and very light punishments for severe crimes even though he was a big problem and so you can only imagine these these couple of stories that you're hearing, how often this is happening all over the country, Yeah, where people are slipping through the cracks, where people are given warnings when maybe they shouldn't be given warnings. Um, you know, these situations that are 
complicated. Yes, you can't violate people's rights, but you're also trying to weigh not violating somebody's rights with trying to assess for risk. Right. Well, a risk of someone else's rights being violated. Right. By having their life taken away. Right. I mean, it. tough decisions doesn't mean we don't have to make any decision. It just means it's a tough decision. Right. Thank you for the email. We appreciate it very much, Carrie. Uh, last voicemail, Jessica in Washington. I just got back from taking my seven-year-old niece, my 11-year-old son, and my nine-year-old son to a rally against gun violence in schools. And I am so saddened, frustrated, angry at the conversations that I've had to have with each of them and the fear that each of them has expressed about going to school. My 11-year-old didn't even want to go to the rally because he was scared. He was scared that something was going to happen, that he was going to be hurt or killed. And... I refuse to let my children grow up in this world. It is not going to continue. I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure it doesn't continue. For my children, for my niece, for the children that I get the privilege of teaching every day, this will not continue. This is Jessica from Seattle, Washington. Thank you, Jesse and Brittany, for being that voice for continuing hope when it feels hopeless. I appreciate both of you. I love that family. That is Jessica. We know her and her brother. And uh, love that family. Good people. Jessica, listen. um, I think that you can rest assured. No guarantees here. Because I know as little as anybody else. But this time feels different. There's something in the air. So much so that the NRA showed up at this Florida town hall last night to to be a part of the conversation. Normally, they would just bow out and say, fuck you, you do it on your own. But they showed up because I think they know they're being left behind They'll soon be irrelevant and they want to cling on to that power that they hold right now for as long as they possibly can. Yeah. So I just want to thank Jessica for that um, voicemail as well. And I liked that there was a beautiful, calming piano happening in the background. And she was either like in a church sanctuary. Was I just hearing that <laughs> no, or was no, that no. there? Okay. Or one of her beautiful kids was taking piano lessons. Mm hmm. And she just happened to be yeah, there was some peaceful, off in an empty room or something. Yeah, it was combined with the voice and the peaceful. It, it was it, just very... It gave the show kind of an NPR feel. Yeah, it was very nice. We're blending in music. Yeah. <laughs> I liked it. Thank you, Jessica, for the call. Listen, the, the, this entire audience is passionate about this topic. The entire country should be passionate about this topic. We are making headway. We've got a lot of people on this, we're wanting to make a change. We've got these smart goddamn kids in Florida who are active activating like the like the Wonder Twins or the Power Twins or whatever those twins were who would smash their what were they? The Magic Twins? Wonder Twins? The Wonder Twins? And one was always an eagle and the other one's like a fucking bucket all the time. I don't know. That's these kids in Florida is what I'm saying. Mm. You, you know what I'm saying? The 
The Magic Twins. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. Catherine. Catherine. Catherine is our latest Patreon supporter, and Wayne. And Wayne. Upped his pledge. Upped his pledge. Lovely. We appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for all the support in helping produce the show, helping, helping move the conversation forward, especially in times like this. Listen, when we started this show four years ago, next month will be four years. Here in, a, here in a little while, we'll be at 400 episodes, numbered episodes. We've done 60 bonus episodes. And uh, I could have only dreamed that we, together with our audience, would have this kind of an impact. And it is a beautiful thing. If you would like to help support producing the show, moving the conversation forward, taking part in this, go to dollamore.com slash Patreon. You can buy stuff on Amazon dollamore.com slash Amazon. Buy yourself some slick swag at dollamore.info. We truly love and appreciate all of you guys. Dollamocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. All right. Well, listen. There are updates to be talked about relative to this Florida shooting. Two things in particular we're going to get to first. Then we're going to talk about the CNN town hall and the presidential listening session that Donald Trump did. First, the fact that apparently anytime that there is chaos surrounding a mass shooting or an event like this, Things break down. Processes seem to break down. And this one is no different. Seems that the security footage from the live monitoring from the police was faulty and may have led to more chaos than was uh, needed. We're learning some more details about the police response to the Florida school shooting. According to reports, the school security camera may have initially misled officers. CNN's Kaylee Harting joining me now with this. Um, Kaylee, what have you learned? Brianna, we are learning of some serious confusion experienced by law enforcement and first responders here last Wednesday. The Coral Springs police chief telling the Orlando Sun Sentinel that the Broward County Schools surveillance cameras were on a 20 minute delay. That means in the pursuit of the suspect, while they thought they were looking at real-time video of where they could find him, they weren't. Those images were 20 minutes old. I want to play a clip for you of the radio traffic that afternoon. Let's timestamp it, 2.54. Listen to what you hear, and then I'll put it into context. They are monitoring the subject right now. He went from the third floor to the second floor. Third to the second floor. He may have a gas mask on now. Stand by for further. They're monitoring him on camera. You hear that. Police believing they are seeing real-time images of the shooter going from the third floor to the second floor. And that was at... 254. Now, when you look back at the log that investigators gave us very early, 
After the event, it was at 2.21 that the suspect began shooting and 2.28 that the suspect exited the building. So in that moment, Brianna, that we just played for you, police thinking they could be getting ready for a confrontation with the shooter, psychologically preparing themselves for a gunfight when in fact at that time, the shooter, again, according to this initial timeline we were given, was at the Walmart purchasing a drink from Subway. So that is very alarming. And I don't know exactly what the system is that broke down there. But to be thinking that you're looking at something in real time and dictating uh, like a room-to-room strategy and tactics based on information that's minutes old because the kid's already in the subway. Right. that's That's a problem. That needs to be fucking worked out. That's... Uh, very much a bummer. Yeah. The other bummer that for me is unconscionable. I was talking about this today with someone and I thought, well, first let's just say what it is. Well, there had been reports that there was an armed security guard at this school. That is right. And after this happened, people started asking questions. Well, where was this armed security guard when this happened? Why didn't he encounter the shooter? And we, I anyway, was just seeing reports saying that he, he never encountered him. That was the only explanation. But now we know what really happened. Right. He ran away. He stayed outside. He refused to engage with the subject, with the killer. And first... I had it in my head that this guy was just a security guard, just an armed, you know, I can't think of a Loomis or whatever security company. And still to me, that was unconscionable that you would have that duty. You're licensed to carry a weapon. You're licensed as a security guard that's armed and you run away from your post. For me, that is abject cowardice. What's even more unconscionable because I learned today... He was an actual police officer. Well, this truly is a stunning development in the investigation post the shooting now. It's coming to us from the Broward County Sheriff, that is Scott Israel. And questions have been raised about Scott Peterson. He is the school resource officer, a deputy who was in uniform, who had a gun, who was on campus assigned to this school. What was his role? What was he doing during all of that shooting? It's now been reviewed, and he has been suspended and gone into retirement. Apparently, it has been learned that despite the statement he gave, the officer did not go into the building where the shooting was taking place. He did not engage the shooter. Here's the sheriff talking about this stunning turn. We're not going to disclose the video at this time. And we may never disclose the video, depending on the prosecution and the criminal case. But what I saw was a deputy arrive at the west side of Building 12, take up a position, and he never went in. The sheriff said looking at that made him sick to his stomach when he was asked, well, what should that officer have done? The direct quote was, went in, addressed the killer, killed the killer. Now, behind the scenes, there have been reports that families of those young people who had been killed in the attack 
had become aware of Scott Peterson and the fact that he had not gone in despite the fact he was outside the building, they were tremendously outraged. Pressure has been building and now we understand that the sheriff first said that he was going to suspend Peterson and launch into an investigation. Peterson apparently with his seniority said instead he was resigning and going into retirement. Two other officers now have also been put on a restricted or restrictive duty. These officers apparently had been involved in investigations with Nicholas Cruz, the shooter in this case, dating back some years. As we know, there were close to two dozen calls since 2008 that authorities have been going to Nicholas Cruz's home. And it's felt that at least in two instances, there were two deputies that the sheriff believes they could have or should have acted more strongly to intervene. And they have been put on restrictive duty while that is being investigated. So three officers now being disciplined, one of them has been fired as a result of inaction. So to your original point, I think that most school resource officers, uh, security guards, whatever, I think they are police officers. Hmm. I think that the local police send over someone that works in the school. Like that's their duty station is, yeah, the, is the school. I think so. I don't know. People can write in and tell me I'm wrong. Um, <laughs> but this guy had uh, started with the agency in July of 1985. So he's not a rookie. He's not a guy who's, oh, my God, oh, this is not what I signed up for. This is a guy who's getting ready to retire. Mm -hmm. He's probably seen some shit, you would think. Yeah, that's what... Broward County. Yeah, that's what doesn't make sense here. Uh, this article I'm reading says he's six foot five. Oh, uh, what a fucking coward. I don't know his weight, but it's a tall guy. And he has quite a bit of experience. Um... I I just don't know what happened here. I know that teachers that work at the school have come out and defended him and said that he wouldn't have had a chance. Um, what the fuck do they know? But What do teachers know about small arms tactics? Well... About approaching and doing his job, which is required of him according to his boss, the sheriff. Yeah, that's a good point because Donald Trump has proposed arming teachers as a solution. Uh, and I think that this is a good a good point to talk about that this guy who has worked as a cop since 1985, this six foot five inch man was hiding outside of the school as the children were being shot. And he, he's, as a he's, mass murder was happening, as a slaughter he's well, was happening, he's hiding outside. He's well-trained. He's and armed. And well-armed. Yes. And he didn't go in there to take care of biz. But they want teachers to do that. They want teachers to do what this man, who's worked as a cop since 1985 and is six foot five, they want, they want them to do what he couldn't. Yeah. With all his training... His decades experience. What? Let's 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 revisit this topic because this, this leads right into where we're going. Last night in Florida, they had the town hall with the victims, with the survivors of not only this school shooting, but others in Florida. There were some Sandy Hook people there and they had Marco Rubio 
and Bill Nelson, the other, the Democratic senator from Florida. They had uh, Deutsch, the congressman for that district, Democrat. The governor, Rick Scott, the Republican, is a coward who refused to show up. Donald Trump did not show up. He held his own a listening session, which what seemed to be filled with Donald Trump fans. Yeah, I want to know what the criteria was yeah. for that, because that was very weird. It just turned into a S of the D session. <laughs> the TD. I mean, Trump m- many of the people started talking about like the free market of ideas and how he's such a great president and thank you for this opportunity. And yeah, I, yeah. I understand being respectful. I totally understand yeah, but they being dealt respectful. With him like his cabinet deals with him, thanking him and praising him. Yeah, it was it was very strange. Yeah. It was very very strange. So while the Donald Trump thing was happening, they had this town hall, and they had some of the kids that you've seen on TV and you've seen interviewed, you've heard them talk. They had them ask questions of these different figures. One that we're going to play is when 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 Marco Rubio was asked the question about giving up the money from the NRA on national TV and was made to look like a fucking moron by a high school kid. Senator Rubio, it's hard to look at you and not look down the barrel of an AR-15 and not look at Nicholas Cruz, but the point is, you're here, and there are some people who are not. And I I need to ask two things of you. Number one, Chris Grady, can you stand up? This is my friend who's going to the military. I need you to tell him that he's going to live to make it to serve our country. And then we'll get to the other one. Not only are you going to live to serve our country, you and you and all of you have a chance to change our country. Change not just our laws, but the way we talk about our laws. So absolutely. Thank you. And guys, look, this isn't about red and blue. We can't boo people because they're Democrats and boo people because they're Republicans. Anyone who's willing to show change, no matter where they're from, anybody who's willing to start to make a difference is somebody we need on our side here. And this is about people who are for making a difference to save us and people who are against it and prefer money. So, Senator Rubio, can you tell me right now that you will not accept a single donation from the NRA in the future? I wish I could have. I wish I could have. Uh, I wish I could have spoken. I wish I could have asked the NRA lady a question. I wish the NRA lady I, I could have talked to because I would ask her how she can look in the mirror, considering the fact that she has children. But you know, maybe she avoids what those. Was that? I'm sorry. The... I don't freaking know. That's okay. okay. The question is about NRA yeah. money. So number one, the positions I hold on these issues of the Second Amendment, I've held since the day I entered office in the city of West Miami as an elected official. Number two. No, the answer to the question is that people buy into my agenda. And I do support the Second Amendment. And I also support the right of you and everyone here to be able to go to school and be safe. And I do support any law that would keep guns out of the hands of a deranged killer. And that's why I support the things that I have stood for and fought for during my time here. More NRA money? More NRA money? That that is the wrong way to look. First of all, the answer is people buy into my agenda. You can say no. Number second, well... I, so I, Guys, the influence of any group. We're going to be here all night. The influence of these groups comes not from money. The influence comes from the millions of people that agree with the agenda. 
So the millions of Americans who support the NRA and who right. support gun rights to center. Guys. Guys, guys, if you Cameron is yes, having no. a conversation with Senator Rubio, I, let's I, let them talk. Listen, I respect you can ask that question and I can tell you that I people buy into my agenda. I will answer any questions you guys have about any policy. Right, right now, right now guys, be quiet, be quiet. You know, you know, and, I, will, be and, I, and I just think that ultimately that is not our goal here. Our goal here is to move forward. Wait, so hold on. And prevent, so so and right now in the, name, in, the name, in the name of 17 people, you cannot ask the NRA to keep their money out of your campaign. I think in the name of 17 people, I can pledge to you that I will support any law that will prevent a killer like this No, but I'm talking NRA money. No. No, because... I, I, matter of fact, I, I bet we can get people in here to give you exactly as much money as the NRA would have. But it's not. I understand. And you're right. Can you stand up no, and you're right donate to that? that real quick? Okay, not a lot, but we'll get it. I'll you're, do you're, it. You know, you're right about quite that. a bit of money so far. Well, you're right about that. There is money on the, both sides of every issue in America. And where that leaves us in policymaking is to look at the issues and make a decision based on what we think is right. But ultimately, look, the First Amendment is as, is as important as the second. And therefore, you have every right to ask that question of me, and I'm here to okay, tell I'll you that I will again. stand for the things. Are you going to be accepting things. money from the IRA in the future? I, I, I've always supported, I will always accept the help of anyone who agrees with my agenda. But my agenda is, also, I'll give you a perfect Your example. Is protecting us, right? Well, I'll give you an example this very evening. I have told you that I support lifting the age from 18 to 21 of buying a rifle. My understanding, as before I walked out here, is that that organization is not in favor of that. But I think that's the right thing to do. I don't know what their position is on teachers being armed, but I don't think they should be, because that's what I think the right thing to do is. When I offered my bill to restrict people on the terrorist watch list or that have been on the list for the last 10 years from purchasing a weapon... They didn't take a stand. I don't think they, they certainly didn't support my, but I offered it. I will do what I think is right. And if people want to support my agenda, they're welcome to do so. But they buy into my ideas. I don't buy into their Okay, so I knew that was going to happen. NRA, please just keep the money out of Rubio, okay? If he wants to run again, you Thank guys you, can. Cameron. Appreciate it. So Jake Tapper had a Herculean task there. <laughs> Trying to wrangle <laughs> a bunch of fucking, you know, kids are all these people, these conspiracy theorists talking about how these kids are crisis actors and they act, they're too scripted. That was this whole thing was a shit show. And one, these kids are they're torn up. They just went through a trauma. Yeah, they're traumatized. But they're acting like kids. They're acting, you know, like a little dismissive, a little too cool for school, a little uh, disrespectful. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, come on. They're kids. These are kids. There were a few times where Jake was sitting there and he didn't even say anything. You could just see him put his hand out like, OK, stop. Calm it down, uh, yeah. kids. Okay, let's tone it down a little bit. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a stadium, uh, an arena full of teenagers. Yeah, well, it, that and support you. Teenagers. Yeah, that every time you say something, they they cheer, and so that gets, yeah. it revs you up a little bit more. I mean, it's fine being snarky to Marco Rubio, but the point is that. Yeah, yeah. It. it I, <laughs> I enjoyed the little show, the nice little face. Hey. I saw that. No one else did. Okay. <laughs> But Marco Rubio got, he got it good here. Yeah. I mean, to his credit, he showed up, right? That's what people are saying. And well, you, you made a good point about that, which you should make right now. <laughs> well, my point was that, of course, he showed up. He, this, he's smart. So he weighs, which is going to be more damaging. If I don't show up, I'm going to look like a total and complete coward. Mm -hmm. Like the governor who's catching all kinds of shit for it. Yeah. Or I show up and I face the fire 
and the damage there's damage anyway. So it's which which level of damage is worse. However, this is his fucking job. Mm-hmm. His job is to show up to shit like this. His job is to lead. His job is to represent. So it's not out of the realm. It's just he did his job. We shouldn't be fucking applauding. Oh, yeah, great. You did what you're paid to do. Yeah, I, it would be hard to stand up there and... Justify <laughs> terrible positions. And yes, and have however many people were in that arena cheering every time someone is... Um, mean to you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was what was happening to it, it would be a difficult situation, but yeah, you're right. So, the next uh, segment of this thing was the NRA people showed up. And that Dana, La- Dana Lash, I always say Dana from Dana Bash. It's Dana Lash and Dana Bash. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Dana Lash is the lady from the NRA commercials. Um, let me remind you who she is and kind of what her demeanor uh, is online. We the people have had it. We've had it with your narratives, your propaganda, your fake news. We've had it with your constant protection of your Democrat overlords, your refusal to acknowledge any truth that upsets the fragile construct that you believe is real life. And we've had it with your pretentious tone deaf assertion that you are in any way truth or fact-based journalism. Consider this the shot across your proverbial bow. We're going to fisk the New York Times and find out just what deep rich means to this old gray hag, this untrustworthy, dishonest rag that has subsisted on the welfare of mediocrity for one, two, three more decades. We're going to laser focus on your so-called honest pursuit of truth. In short, we're coming for you. Kind of ominous, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, they did another one. This is the NRA. They're doing little commercials now, apparently. Little poetic commercials. Yeah, yeah. Here's another one where they're talking about the ruthless attack on the president. We are witnesses to the most ruthless attack on a president and the people who voted for him and the free system that allowed it to happen in American history. From the highest levels of government to their media, universities and billionaires, their hateful defiance of his legitimacy is an insult to each of us. But the ultimate insult is that they think we're so stupid that we'll let them get away with it. These saboteurs slashing away with their leaks and sneers, their phony accusations and gagging sanctimony, drive their daggers through the heart of our future, poisoning our belief that honest custody of our institutions will ever again be possible. So they can then build their utopia from the ashes of what they burned down. No, their fate will be failure, and they will perish in the political flames of their own fires. We are the National Rifle Association of America, and we are freedom's safest place. Yeah, yeah, you are. Listen, this is who she is. Now, th- that, so dramatic. This whole flames of the fire and your political death and all this shit, she's talking to you. She's talking to me and Brittany. She's talking to those kids. That is who she's talking about. But when she shows up to the Florida thing, it's a whole different ballgame. It's, oh, I'm a mother too, y'all. Oh, my God, nah. I mean, it was- I'm, trying to, I'm trying to take care of my kids too. <laughs> I feel you, I know. She didn't sound exactly like that. <laughs> it was more like this. Dana Loesch. 
I want you to know that we will support your two children in the way that we will not, uh, you will not. The shooter at our school obtained weapons that he used on us legally. Do you believe that it should be harder to obtain these semi-automatic and modif uh, weapons and the uh, modifications for these weapons to make them fully automatic like bump stocks? Well, first off, Emma, I want to applaud you for standing up and speaking out. And for anyone who has ever criticized you or any of these students up here, including people who have been on my side of this issue, I don't think that anyone should deny you your voice or deny you your position because you are young. We want to thank you for that. I was a very politically active teenager, and I'm on this stage as a result of that. Except for that little YouTube video you did, the little commercial you did where you talked about how they're going to die in their political fires. Except for that. That little time you probably forgot. Oh my God, no. Think of how far you, you all could go as a result of voicing your beliefs. Now, I want to answer your question. And I want to be allowed the opportunity, which is why I am here to talk and have this discussion with you all and answer these questions. This is why I came down here. I don't believe that this insane monster should have ever been able to obtain a firearm, ever. I do not think that he should have gotten his hands on any kind of weapon. That's number one. This individual was nuts. And I, nor the millions of people that I represent as a part of this organization that I'm here speaking for, none of us support people who are crazy, who are a danger to themselves, who are a danger to others, getting their hands on a firearm. And we have been for over 20 years, and I have been screaming about this, which is why I'm here, because I have kids. And I'm not just fighting for my kids, I'm fighting for you, I'm fighting for you, I'm fighting for all of you, because I don't want anyone to ever be in this position again. Huh. You hear all that? Mm-hmm. You believe any any of that? Uh no. I I don't believe you should have ever, ever this overwrought, just fake bullshit emotion. Because only hours later she was in Washington, DC at CPAC, the conservative political action conference, where she said this directly to the media, like the loving mother and caring American that she is. We are conservatives. We have the superior product. We don't have to modify our views. We don't have to rationalize why we believe what we believe. We don't need, we don't need platitudes and red meat because we have the superior product, the proven superior product. We saw this with tax reform, did we not? You cannot lie to people about what's in their 401k. You can't lie to them about what's in their paycheck, although the media try. But you can lie to them about the $1.5 trillion debt, the deficits that will be added over the course of the next 10 years. You can lie to them about that. No one's denying, and I didn't mean to get, go off on a, on a jag about this, but no one's denying that people got tax cuts. That there is utility to those tax cuts. People are going to be having more money right now. The problem in the debate came in that the middle class tax cuts, they expire in just a few years. And the wealthy tax cuts never expire. And that is going to add, because of revenues lost to the federal government, the treasury, $1.5 trillion. 
$1,500 billion in deficit spending. Ugh. They try very hard to do that. I want to say one more thing about the conservative movement, then we're going to have a little conversation about last night. We don't need to look for the next conservative messiah. Because that spirit, that spirit, that fire that was in Buckley, that fire that was in Reagan, is in each and every one of us. We, we are the the power of this movement. And my dear friend and late mentor once said that if you can't sell liberty, you suck. Wow, how profound. And that's true. So let's have a conversation about last night, shall we? Because uh, the conservative movement, we've been so incredibly successful. We saw that when we expanded the tent. We saw that when we took over social media. And statists had to innovate to outsmart us or try to outsmart us. They had to change their algorithms to suppress our speech on social media platforms. They try to ignore us and they try to change Google rankings because we are a voice that they can no longer ignore. And try as they might to spin it, they are unsuccessful. And they have been. Now I'm going to say something that some people are going to say is controversial. So I'll say it really slowly so all the people on the platform in the back can hear me loud and clear. Many in legacy media love mass shootings. You guys love it. Now, I'm not saying that you love the tragedy, but I am saying that you love the ratings. Crying white mothers are ratings gold to you and many in the legacy media in the back. And notice I said crying white mothers because there are thousands of grieving black mothers in Chicago every weekend and you don't see town halls for them, do you? Where's the CNN town hall for Chicago? Where's the CNN town hall for sanctuary cities? What the fuck has she done for Chicago? One, it's a valid point. She's right. There was a town hall for Chicago. I'm talking about the media focus on problems uh, surrounding white and black. There's certainly inequity. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But what the fuck is she doing about it? Shifting blame? She's largely to blame. Her organization is largely to blame for the glut of guns allowing for the dramatic crime rates in Chicago. But when was? I didn't know, by the way. Uh, February 10th, Chris Hayes on MSNBC did (laughs) a town hall in Chicago. Chicago in the crosshairs, an all-in town hall, where he talked to officials, activists, and residents of Chicago about the real problems they face and solutions that they are seeking. Well, doesn't she have egg on her Poor man's Demi Moore face. She uh, seems, you still deny that, right? She seems really interested in Chicago town halls, but <laughs> she missed this one. That's weird. Fucking awkward. How did she miss this one? I don't know. You think she'd do a little research? So this is what bothers me, and this is what makes it difficult for 
Donald Trump to come out and start trying to act reasonable and like he's all about unity and he wants to be the great unifier and bring the country together. We're all a family. We're going through this together. Dana Lash doesn't get to do this either because her job is to make liberals the enemy and to ratchet up fear in her community. And she's good at her job by evidenced um, by the, the response in the crowd that you heard. Yeah, and so she creates fear, she stirs up hatred, and she makes liberals the enemy. That's not helpful. So when you spend your your life doing that, making commercials, giving speeches on your Twitter account, the whole deal, when you spend your time doing that, you can't go to a CNN town hall and then start trying to play nice. Your entire career is based on making liberals the enemy. Right. Every clip of you is you being angry lady. Right. So, and that's why I I really, we both try to be reasonable on this show and don't talk about conservatives as the enemy, Republicans as the enemy. That Certain ones are. But not the group as a whole. Right. That rhetoric is not helpful for solving our problems, though. Right. How are you supposed to make deals with someone that is evil, with someone that is burning all the fire and the fury and the chaos, whatever the hell was (laughs) happening in that commercial? She's going to fisk the New York Times. I'm not poetic enough to recite what was happening, uh, the (laughs) slam poetry that she was doing. So I. <laughs> That's how you applaud. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I I am just bothered by it, and and Donald Trump tries to do it all the time, and you can't make a living doing this, and then try to come in and act like that's not what you do. Well, especially when you only d- take like a like an hour break out of being lame as shit. Yeah. And then go right back into being crazy. The media loves mass shootings. You fuckers love it. As she's looking hatefully to the back of the room where they're all standing and filming. Right. Come on. So at the same time, not as CPAC because this was today, uh, Thursday, but at the same time as the town hall, Donald Trump was having his goddamn listening session the same day. Stupidness. At which he said this about arming teachers. You're con- and by the way, get ready, because this is a rambling fucking shit show train wreck, unlike, well, it's Donald Trump, so it's not like unlike anything you've ever heard. Every time you listen to Donald Trump, this is it. But try to follow, again, I just want to, let me say, this is the President of the United States of America, who can't even speak for three minutes off the top of his head without sounding like a meandering fucking child with 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 with, with the vocabulary of a fucking parrot uh, your concept and your idea about it's called concealed carry and it's it only works where you have people very adept at using firearms of which you have many and it would be teachers and uh, coaches if the coach had a firearm in his locker when he ran at this guy, that coach was very brave, uh, saved a lot of lives, I suspect. But if he had a firearm, he wouldn't have had a run. He would have shot, and that would have been the end of it. And this would only be, obviously, for people that are very adept at handling a gun. And it would be, it's called concealed carry, where a teacher would have a concealed gun on them. 
they'd go for special training and they would uh, be there and you would no longer have a gun-free zone. Gun-free zone to a maniac because they're all cowards. A gun-free zone is let's go in and let's attack because bullets aren't coming back at us. And if you uh, if you do this, and a lot of people are talking about it, and it's certainly a point that we'll discuss, but concealed carry for teachers and for people of talent, of that type of talent. So let's say you had 20 percent of your teaching force, because that's pretty much the number. And you said it. Uh, an attack has lasted, on average, about three minutes. It takes five to eight minutes for responders, for the police to come in. So the attack is over. If you had a teacher with who was adept at firearms, they could very well end the attack very quickly. And Can I point out he said adept three times inside of like a, a minute and some seconds? Maybe someone wrote it down on the card. Adept. They're, they, they're adept, Brittany. Just like Donald Trump is very adept <laughs> at words. The good thing about a suggestion like that, and we're going to be looking at it very strongly, and I think a lot of people are going to be opposed to it. I think a lot of people are going to like it. But the good thing is that you'll have a lot of people with that. You know, you can't have a hundred security guards in Stoneman Douglas. That's a big school. It's a massive school with with a lot of acreage to cover, a lot of floor area. And so that would be certainly a situation that is being discussed a lot by a lot of people. You'd have a lot of people that'd be armed, that'd be ready. They're professionals. They may be Marines that left the Marines, left the Army, left the Air Force, and they're very adept at doing that. Uh, You'd have a lot of them, and they'd be spread evenly throughout the school. So the other thing I really believe that if these (laughs) cowards knew that 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 the school was, you know, well-guarded from the standpoint of having pretty much professionals with great training— I think they wouldn't go into the school to start off with. I think it could very well solve your problem. So we'll be doing the background checks. We'll be doing uh, a lot of different things, but we'll certainly be looking at ideas like that. Mm-hmm. We're going to be doing the background checks. We're going to do a lot of different things. But, you know, uh, my one question is, are they going to be adept? <laughs> you know, I love how he he keeps saying that uh, this this guy was a sick puppy that he was whatever other words that he's, yeah, he's yeah. using. And he thinks that people that are to that point in their whatever's happening upstairs, yeah. uh, that they're going to be deterred by the threat of death yeah, or deterred by the threat of life in prison. They see what happens to other school shooters. Of course they do. This is the first one to ever survive. Yeah, that's rare <laughs> that so, you come out of this alive. So we just heard two minutes and 50 seconds of him talking about arming teachers. Was that teachers. how long that was? Yeah, two minutes and 50 seconds of him arming teachers. He tweets this morning, I never said give guns. T- I'll read it normal. I never said, not joking. <laughs> <laughs> I never said, quote, give teachers guns, unquote, like was stated on fake news CNN and NBC. What I said was to look at the possibility of giving quote unquote concealed guns to gun adept teachers with military or special training experience. Wow, that's a that's an open quote, but there's no close to it. Mm. Weird. Yeah. Um, 
so so ultimately what he's saying here is I never said give teachers guns like was stated on fake news CNN and NBC. What I said was to give concealed guns to adept teachers. Or give some teachers guns. Yeah, you're still giving teachers du- guns, you fucking mook, you moron. Yeah, there's no need to um, clarify your statement what? whatsoever. We understand what you're saying. And and we heard two minutes and 50 seconds of you outlining your dumb guy plan to arm teachers. So teachers are, it's one of those professions that you can't criticize or you'll be attacked. All right, because they're so here heroes. I go. They're heroes. Uh, <laughs> here um, I go. But seriously, they—it th- is one of these professions, like police officers, like firefighters, like people in the military, where people like to act like everyone that works beyond reproach. Yeah, everyone that works yeah. in the profession has never done anything wrong. They're all these angelic people that are doing it out of the goodness of their heart. I had some shit dick teachers. Oh yeah, me too. Yeah. And I've actually my one of my favorite things about this announcement from him is seeing people post about teachers they wouldn't that they had that they wouldn't have wanted to have access to guns. Yeah. And I had a teacher in particular in seventh grade that got so angry with the class that he threw a desk across the room and then he walked out of the classroom while we all sat horrified, wondering what was gonna happen next. Yeah. I'm glad he didn't have a gun. No shit. Um, you hear reports all the time. Not all the time, but you hear them about... <laughs> what am I, Donald Trump? Let's not overstate the I know, case. Of teachers bumping kids into the wall, uh, pushing them down the stairs. Well, I, heard, I heard somebody on CNN talk about today that we hear about suicide by cop all the time. Mm-hmm. What's next? Suicide by history teacher? I mean, if the if the if the if the if the, if the teacher has access to a weapon mm-hmm. in the class, mm-hmm. what happens when a when a class when a student gets a little uh, look? I was a dick as a student. I was a loud, aggressive student. Yeah, and there I can remember one time in, in specifically that I I didn't threaten, but I screamed at the top of my lungs at a teach at a teacher. Mm-hmm. And he was very afraid and slunk out of the room. And I was a skinny, douchey, a piece of shit high school kid. Mm-hmm. But I, I scared him. Mm-hmm. What if he was one of those kids, teachers that had a gun? He feels afraid for his life and kills me. Yeah. So what I'm saying is that there are teachers that have done bad things. They're, yeah, ju- they're just like anybody else. They lose their temper. They have a bad day. They get frustrated. They accidentally say something they shouldn't, they accidentally do something they shouldn't, Yeah. whatever. And adding guns to that equation just makes things more complicated. Not even that. Let's say they're all angelic. They're all, let's say they are all heroes and awesome. We're adding a layer of complexity to their job that they don't need. Yeah. We're adding, listen, cops kill civilians. It happens a lot. Accidentally. And they are well-trained individuals who live the job. What the fuck do you expect from the PE teacher? What do you expect from Coach Johnson? Come on. It, It is a ridiculous assertion that a teacher, even if they're a former Marine, even if they are a well-trained individual in their past, You don't have the capacity forever. It's just ridiculous. It's a non-starter. 
Yeah, well, and and this goes along with the Jason Bourne argument that we always make. You always make, and by the way, you need to keep making it because it's real good. Where people start to think that they are capable of of behaving like Jason Bourne in these situations. I'm sure the cop that ran away probably thought he was Jason Bourne up until it happened. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what his history is, but yeah, there there are probably many people that think, oh, if I'm ever in this situation, this is what I'm going to do. And no, you don't know. Yeah. And especially if you haven't been in traumatic situations, especially if you haven't been in life or death situations, especially if you haven't been held at gunpoint, okay? All of these things, you don't know what that's like. And you can have great firing accuracy, when you're not in a real life situation. That is true. And then you have the stress of death hanging over your head. And things are a little different. You know, it's not, it's, it, that is all true. But, but look at it also from this perspective. That when you're a fireman or a fire laid and you, <sighs> you jump into your, you go to the station and, during the day mm-hmm. and that's your job. Mm-hmm. You're in fireman, fire laid mode. Mm-hmm. You're ready to jump into action and be a hero. When you're a cop, you put on the uniform, you step into that mindset, you're ready to go. Mm-hmm. You are engaged. You're mentally, you're there. Right. You're, 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 you're present. When you're a teacher, you're not in Jason Bourne mode. Right. You're in teach the kids algebra mode. Yeah. You're in, oh, we got to cover the Civil War this week. Yeah. That's the mode you're in. There's a, there's a, it's not easy to just switch out of that into Jason Bourne mode. Right. And maybe it's impossible to do. Again, this is a non fucking starter. This is a policy proposal from morons. Well, Donald Trump has another solution, and I would like to read this quote. Quote, we have to look at the internet because a lot of bad things are happening to young kids and young minds and their minds are being formed and we have to do something about maybe what they're seeing and how they're seeing it. And also video games. I'm hearing more and more people say the level of violence on video games is really shaping young people's thoughts. (laughs) Yeah, I'm talking like this on purpose. And you go one step further and that's the movies. Maybe they have to put a rating system for that. Oh, yeah. You know what? A rating system for the movie sounds like a good idea, Mr. Trump. I I can't believe no one has ever thought of this before. That's crazy. Here's what I propose. G for the really (laughs) easygoing ones for the kids, for the kiddos. And let's do PG-13 for like a kind of adult, but for younger growing up. Like mild violence. Yeah, that's right. And then let's do PG for like... It's for adults, but they could say fuck one time. Okay, you are getting it wrong. No, that's PG. That's PG-13. Oh, it's the other way around. Yeah. Ah, see, Donald, this is impossible. There's no way to do a rating system. Yeah. If, I mean, I'm, I I don't know. If Brittany and I can't figure it out right now, <laughs> there's just no way it can be figured out. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I don't know why I'm telling you that you're wrong about something that you're just inventing off the and cuff. And then let's do triple X Yeah. for like the next step. Mm-hmm. Like the real family-friendly ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know where the babies get made. Yeah, they also have rating <laughs> systems for video games already. Right, which he didn't know Mature either. content and whatever. Yeah, I, I, I think don't know. it's T and M. Yeah, I don't play them, so I don't know, but... Oh, you say that with self-righteousness. I don't play video Fuck games. Fuck you, Brittany so. Page. Uh, <laughs> 
Yeah, the this is this is just ridiculous. I mean, does he think that you can switch out of the the Donald Trump reading voice? Does now. he think I this am? This is just ridiculous. I does he does he think that Australia and the United Kingdom totally different video games? Yeah, that they, they play. don't have access to yep. the same music. I mean, we've been hearing this since Columbine, where Marilyn Manson and Eminem were blamed for. They still have black violence. and white TV, and they listen to music on eight track cassette tapes. Mm-hmm. They don't have. They're still on the Atari twenty six hundred. Yeah, I mean, it's pitfall and shit. It's listen, not. It's not crazy. I would love a government mandate for only Earth, Wind, and Fire to be played at all times, but that's just not the world we live in. Okay, <laughs> that's not. That is a perfect way to end the show, Brittany. Is there anything else that we we should cover? No, I'm sure there is, but you know, it's we're we're deep, deep. Yeah. So into the show. Here. So, so I guess uh, moral of the story: Donald Trump's a moron. Is that the, is that what we're getting at? Yeah, I mean, breaking news. Fucking <laughs> awkward. Breaking news. Breaking news. Donald Trump, this Justin, is a moron. Maybe that's where the awkward sound should have gone. Anyway, we love you guys. We're going to go. We appreciate you. We'll be back with a bonus episode very very soon yes and don't forget that if you are a patreon supporter in the tier that does the zoom hangouts that that will be tomorrow or today that is that is yeah friday february 23rd at 8 p.m los angeles time and saturday february 24th at 11 a.m los angeles time because this is the last weekend of the month nice it's a little early because february doesn't have as many days guys breaking news breaking news i don't know why i'm doing that for breaking yeah news. it's not the breaking news fox news alert <laughs> february is shorter uh- <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, we love you guys. We appreciate you. Listen, if you want to support the show, you'd like to help produce the show, helping us move the conversation forward on an episode-by-episode basis, both of our numbered episode and the bonus content, as well as YouTube and all of the other jazz that we do, we would love for you to join the Patreon family. Go to dollamore.com slash Patreon. It should be very easy. If you want to do a one-time donation of any amount... You can go to dollamore.com slash PayPal. And of course, there's Amazon, dollamore.com slash Amazon. If you would like to sound off, get your voice on the record on these or any other topic, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. We love you. Brittany especially loves you. And we will see you next time. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. Fucking awkward. <laughs> <laughs>